0: Well, I uh, want to welcome you here, especially those of you that are visiting with us for the uh, very first time. Welcome over in the venue. Welcome to all of you online, listening on the radio and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, let me just uh, piggyback on something that uh, Pastor Joel and Dan talked about over in the venue, and that is to all of our ladies that are in the house. I think this Bible study that Colleen wrote is going to be really, really special and uh, some of our own people, uh, our own gals, Marty Boone, Nancy Behrens, Julie Westfall, Francie Byron, a number of our gals are the ones that are going to unpack it for you. And they're all really, really gifted gifted communicators. And so I want to encourage you to go online or go out to the ministry wall gals and get signed up. I, I had the feeling that it's going to be really great. And then uh, tomorrow, uh, if uh, the Holy Spirit would... Um, remind you to pray for me, and I appreciate it. I'm gonna drive down to Merced, Merced First Baptist Church, and have a chance to speak down there at a thing that they're doing, a guys thing, a rally down there, and uh, at about six o'clock, we're all gonna be, uh, all the guys will be eating meat. (laughs) I've asked them on a number of occasions, you know, so so what's the program? Well, we're gonna start off by eating meat. (laughs) I don't even know if it's gonna be cooked. Just, everybody just gets a slab of meat. And uh, then about 7 o'clock, I'll have a chance to uh, talk with a whole bunch of guys about Jesus. And so if the Lord reminds you at about 7 o'clock, um, please uh, be, be praying for me. King David, who was uh, Israel's greatest king, without a doubt, penned these words. He said, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. Everybody say, never forget. forget. He heals all my sins and heals. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles beloved i think if we were all honest we'd all say that there have been times in our lives maybe for some of you right now when we've forgotten about all the great things that god has done for us maybe this morning you got up and combed your hair and put your clothes on and you know ate a bagel or whatever and literally until the time you got here maybe until we started singing some of these songs you you never even thought about some of the great things that God has done for you. Sometimes I think it's because we get so busy in life doing all these things, you know, getting ready for work and closing a deal and taking care of the kids and getting them to school and all that. We can just get so busy that we can forget about some of the great things that God has done for us. There are times, even in my day here, when I'm doing things for God that I can get so busy doing things for God (laughs) that I forget about all the great things that he's done for me. Sometimes I think it's uh, when we're going through hard times. Life has just kind of kidney punched us. Because of all the things that are happening in our lives, our businesses, our families, or whatever, man, the pain of life is such that we forget. We forget about the good things that God has done for us. Maybe it's because uh, things are going great in our lives. That often happens, doesn't it? A lot of great things are going on, man. Good things are happening. It just seems like everything you touch turns to gold, man. You've made a bunch of sales. You, you got a raise. All this good stuff's happening. And in the midst of all of that, you forget about all the great things that, that God has done in your life. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know what it was this morning or last week or whatever, all I know is, is that we as believers can forget. We can forget about God, forget about all the great things that he's done. Now here's the bummer with that. Here's what tends to happen when you don't remember the Lord, when you forget about all the great things that he's done for you. It usually takes you to a crummy place. It usually leads you to a place that, that doesn't honor the Lord. And I want to give you an illustration from the, the scriptures. I want to take you back about 2,500 years. There was a very godly man by the name of Elijah. He was a, a, a prophet of God. Elijah was one of the great men in the Bible, okay? If you've known the Lord at any, you know, for any length of time, you've heard the name Elijah, an unbelievable man of God. God actually spoke to him. God actually did a bunch of miracles through him. God gave Elijah just unbelievable influence. God used him to bring a a spiritual awakening to the nation of Israel. God used Elijah in some really incredible ways. Nobody in this room who knows anything about Elijah would say he wasn't a, a godly, godly man that God used in some great ways. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, we're told about a woman who doesn't like him very much. In fact, this woman wants to kill him, and her name is Jezebel, and Jezebel was the, the queen of Israel at the time, which means she had a lot of uh, influence. And one day, after God did a great miracle through Elijah up on Mount Carmel, Jezebel thought, "I've had it with this guy. I'm tired of what, you know, this guy is, is doing. I'm tired of, of all the things that he's doing, and, and I've got to do something to, to mess up his life." And she does. It says this in 1 Kings chapter 19. It says when Ahab got home, Ah Ah Ahab was the the king. He told Jezebel, that's the queen, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. That was the the great miracle that God did in Elijah in, in chapter 18. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in in Judea, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveled all day, sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Beloved, Elijah's really messed up here. here, here here's this godly, godly man. God has done all kinds of things in his life and through his, his life, and yet... Man, he's afraid, he's running for his life, he's physically tired, you know, he's been traveling all day, he's emotionally exhausted, he's angry and worried and depressed, he's not thinking clearly, he thinks that God has abandoned him, and he wants to die. (laughs) What happened? I mean, how did Elijah get himself into this mess? How did Elijah get so tired and so exhausted and so angry and depressed? What's going on here? How did he get to the point that he wanted to die? How did he get to the point where he actually thought that God had abandoned him? Well, in my opinion, the biggest mistake he made was he forgot. He forgot. Forgot about God. He forgot about all the great things that God had done in his life. He forgot about all the miracles that he saw God do with his own two eyes. And this caused him to do what everybody does when they forget about God. It caused him to focus on his feelings instead of the truth. And whenever you start to focus on how you feel instead of on what God has said or done, the truth, you're in trouble. You're in big, big trouble. I I say this all the time because it's just really important. Your, Your feelings don't have any IQ. You can't educate your feelings. They are what they are, and most of the time, your feelings are pretty much irrational. It's not our feelings that set us free. It's the truth that sets us free. Look, whenever you, you start to focus on how you feel, instead of the truth, what God has done or what God has said, you're in trouble. You're not far from probably being in the same place that Elijah was in, Life can be hard. Jesus said, This side of of heaven, this side of glory, you know, you're going to have troubles in this life. Jesus said, Christian, you know, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. You're not going to be let off the hook. This side of heaven is going to be difficult at times. And if you don't remember truth, If you don't remember all the great things that God has done for you, you're going to find yourself sitting under a broom tree wanting to, you know, end it all. The Bible doesn't teach that we need to get in touch with our feelings. It teaches that we need to get in touch with the truth because it's the truth that sets us free. Now listen, God gave us our feelings. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I'm glad I have feelings. I just have to be very careful that I don't start, you know, making decisions based upon how I feel. I have to be careful that, that I'm always looking at God's truth, what God has said, what God has done. That's what matters, not how I, 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 I feel. Now, I want to take us back to Psalms 103, okay? As I said, was written by, by King David. And it reminds us of a few of the great things that God has done for us. David says, God God forgives all my sins. That's a pretty good thing to remember, isn't it? Anybody remember that when they got up this morning? That your sins have been forgiven? David says, God heals all my diseases. God redeems my life from the pit of hell. That's a pretty good thing to remember, isn't it? God crowns my life with love and mercy, David said. God fills my life with with good things. Boy, just remembering those few things would would make a difference probably in your your day. But as I said, too often all of us can can forget. First Chronicles chapter 16 uh, says this. Remember the wonders he, that's God, has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given, you children of his servant Israel, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God, his justice is seen throughout the land. Remember his covenants forever, the the commitment he made to a thousand generations. But when you read through the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, you can't miss the fact that God wants us to remember he wants us to remember him, remember all the great things that he's done for us, because he knows that when we forget, we'll end up just like Elijah. That, that's, where, that, that's where it all ends. That's where your flesh will take you. <laughs> we end up not living a life that honors God, which is why on the first weekend of every month... Um, we remember something very specific about God. And uh, most of you know what these little trays are over in the venue, you've got some things over there, and underneath these lids um, is is a little piece of bread, and that, that piece of bread is to remind us of the beautiful life that Jesus lived. Probably the overwhelming majority of you in here didn't even think about the life of Jesus today until I just mentioned it. He lived an unbelievable life for you, a perfect life, a holy life for you. And God doesn't want us to forget about the life that he lived. And then you're going to have a little cup, a little little juice in your hand, and that that juice is to remind you that God's a a just God, and he had to punish our sin. Our, Our sin had to be punished And it wasn't enough that he came and lived a perfect life. He was going to have to, you know, die a horrific death. He was beaten to a pulp. He was, you know, crown of thorns were jammed on his head. And, you know, nails were put through his hands and feet. And that cup is to remind you of his blood, his royal blood, his perfect blood, his sinless blood that was shed for for our sins. We're going to remember the fact that he was put into a tomb and 3 days later he walked out of the grave. We're going to remember the fact that he's coming back again. We didn't make this up by the way. This is what God told us to do. When you do this, I want you to remember me, Jesus said. And that's what we're going to do at the very end of our our time here together. We're going to spend some time remembering the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and his soon soon coming. Now all this really sets up uh, my text for today, and for those of you that are visiting with us today, we're in a series here at Big Belly Grace where we're looking at the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians at Ephesus. We call it the the book of Ephesians. It was really a letter. Paul wrote a letter to these Christians, and the pastor would have gotten that letter. He would have opened it. He probably read it on his own. He shows up at church one weekend, and, and he read that letter to all the Christians that would have been in church that day. I'm sure, without a doubt, he read that letter over and over again. I'm sure there were weekends that went by when that pastor, that elder, that leader of that church would have uh, said, hey, listen, let's just keep looking at this letter. Let's keep seeing what truths are are in this letter. And that's what we're doing as a church family. We're just looking at this letter that, 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 that Paul wrote. And one of the things that Paul does in the first three chapters is that he reminds the people, he reminds you and I of a lot of really important things, good things, biblical truths that that God has done for us or for them. In other words, Paul doesn't want us to forget In chapter 1, Paul tells us or reminds us that God has blessed us and loved us. He's chosen us. He's adopted us. He sent his son Jesus to die for us. He made his wisdom available to us. He revealed the mysteries of his will to us. He gave us his Holy Spirit to live within us forever and and, and ever. He made his power available to us. That that was just in chapter 1. Those are good things to remember, isn't it? Some of you have sent me emails saying, man, over the last few weeks, you know, every every weekend you remind us of that. Yeah, I do. And guess what? If God doesn't come back, I'm going to keep reminding you of all these great truths. Then you get to chapter 2, and Paul tells us that we were all dead spiritually. Yeah, we were alive physically. Our hearts were beating and all that kind of stuff, but we were dead spiritually. Our sin had had separated us from God, our sin had goofed up our relationship with our creator, the the Father. We were dead spiritually. But God so loved you, so loved me, that he brought us back to life again. God God so loved you that though you were dead spiritually, God brought you back to life again when you received Jesus Christ into your life as as your Savior. He tells us that Now that we know Christ, we can have a special relationship with God, just like the Jews did in the Old Testament. That that, that now anybody who knows God can can have a special relationship with with the Father. Then you get to chapter 3, and Paul tells us about this beautiful thing called the church, the, the, the bride of Christ. We're all brothers and sisters in the Lord in here. We're all a part of God's family, as Pastor Joel said right at the very beginning of our our gathering. Beloved, all this to say that the first three chapters of Ephesians are are really special. They tell us of our, our great position in Christ. Paul tells us about all these great things, and he reminds the the Ephesians of all these things. And here we are 2,000 years later, and I'm doing the same thing. I'm just reminding you, my family members, my brothers and sisters in the the Lord, about all these wonderful, great things that God has has done for for us. Now, when you get to chapter 4, things change. Paul is now going to share with us how we ought to live because of all of those things that God has done. So this brings us to our text today. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 1. Paul says, therefore, if you have a Bible, great. You can look at it there. It's in, if you don't have a Bible, it's in the notes. It'll be on the Jumbotron. Okay? He says, therefore because of everything that i said in chapter one because of everything i said in chapter two because of all the great things i said in chapter three because of all of that i just reminded you of all that therefore i a prisoner for serving the lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by god Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love for each other. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Now, I've kind of say this every week there's just a whole lot in here and what i'm going to do is I've, I've kind of broken it down into two major thoughts okay and the first one is this because of all that god has done for you because of all that we have looked at in chapters one two and three live a life that honors god L-l-l- live a life that brings honor and glory to to, to god Paul says, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, beg you, based upon all that God has done for you, live a a life worthy of your calling. And what I want to do is, I just want to fill your mind with just a couple of thoughts from the word of God. Romans chapter 12 says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, in, in our text this morning, he's begging. Now we see Paul pleading. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. And by the way, all the things that we've looked at in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians, that, that's not a comprehensive list of all the things that God has done for you. It's a pretty good list. There's enough there to make you go, wow, unbelievable. I I want to live a God-honoring life, but it's not a comprehensive list. And here we have the great apostle saying, listen, man, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Why? Because of all the things that he's done for you. Let them, let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he, God, will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Paul just gives us a little data there. It's unbelievable. Hey, come to church and sing, you know. That's a great way to worship God. It's a great thing to put some money in the basket that goes by. The Bible says that we're to honor the Lord with our wealth. That's one of the ways we worship him. It's great to pray. That's a great way to worship him. It's great to have fellowship with believers. That's a great way to worship him. But here, the Holy Spirit, through the pen of the Apostle Paul, says, hey, listen, you really want to knock the ball out of the park as it relates to worship? then live a God-honoring life. Take the one body that you have and use it for God-honoring purposes. That's the way to truly worship him. That somehow your one life, the one life that you have, is lived in a way that brings honor and glory to God. And what's interesting is is this, this body of ours doesn't get to go to heaven. It's It's the headquarters of sin. I tell you this all the time. Paul said no good dwells in the flesh, right? When you die, you take your last breath here on planet Earth, absent from the body, present with the Lord. You're going to go be with the Lord. But your body, they just put in a pine box. and put it six feet under the ground, and it's no good. Worms eat it, whatever. It, it's no good. It's, it's fallen apart. It's old. It's decaying, full of sin. Uh, yesterday, before I came to church, I spent 20 minutes cutting the hair out of my nose. <laughs> I'm it's just... Uh, I've become the old man I used to mock. (laughs) Look at that old guy. And then my little thing broke. I couldn't get all the hair off of my ears, you know. It's unbelievable. Here's the deal. As crummy and as cruddy and as evil and as, as wretched as this body is, God says, I want it. It's mine. And if you really want to honor me, if you really want to worship me, you make sure you use it in a God-honoring way. You live a life worthy. And God knew how powerful it was, and so he said, hey listen, I'm gonna put my spirit inside that body. As crummy and as cruddy as it is, I'll put my spirit inside of it, your body will become my temple, and now you have my power to overcome this crummy body. I'm, I'm always amazed at how Christians will use their, their body, some of the things that they'll do with it. And the crummiest thing that I, I, I tend to see happening with all the social media stuff out there is how we use our tongue. And the tongue just became this. Then we hit send and we post things and we reply. It just, it's just, some, just really, it really makes me sad. makes me really sad. Just really crummy things. Paul said this to a young preacher. He said, Timothy, don't let anybody, don't look anyone think less of you because you're young, but be an example to all believers in what you say or what you text or what you post. the way you live and your love your faith and your purity And paul was saying listen there's going to be a lot of people timothy i'm already getting letters i'm already getting things that people don't like you you know you're young you're this young whippersnapper listen don't worry about all that you just make sure that you live a life worthy of your calling you just make sure you use your body in a god-honoring way in a way that glorifies god you be an example And, and and by the way for those of us that are, are older, we're, we're to be the examples. We're not let off the hook there. Yeah, you young people, you need to be examples. Well, guess what? Our young people need our, us, the adults, to be examples. They need their moms and dads to be examples to them. I always, I always wonder, man, what do kids, what do kids see? And, and now with this whole social media thing, kids can, can see it. They can see what you post. They can see what you write. They can see what comes out of you when they look on to your Facebook page. Are you being an example to them? The kind of person that lives a God-honoring life? Peter says, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scripture says, you must be holy because I'm holy. In other words, God's saying, look, um, I'm holy. There's nobody like me. I'm separate from anything else, and that's what I want you to be. I want you to be holy. In other words, I want you to live a God-honoring life. And holy just means live differently, talk differently, text differently, post differently. The, the word Bible just means book. But we call it the Holy Bible. It's, it's separate. It's different than any other book. You see, you can go down to the Stanislaus County Library and there might be a million different books in there, but there's only one holy book, one book that's separate than all other books. And I don't care whether you believe in God or not or you think the Bible's God's word or not. You know, everybody knows that that this book is way different. Way different. It's holy. And God wants his people to be holy. He wants us to be different. How we live, how we speak, how we talk, where we go, what we do, what we tax, what we post, whatever all that is. How we respond to people. Timothy went on and he said, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. I'm just mortified by what some believers put out there and how they respond and what they say. Unbelievers are looking at your life. They're looking at your posts. They're looking at how you respond. They're they're looking at your Instagram. They're looking at all that kind of stuff. Then he Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. I mean, there's a point. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 22 that the greatest thing you can do with your life is to love God, right? With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? The greatest commandment. And the second greatest thing you can do is, is to love others to care about others, the way you care about yourself, right? Well, James, who was the half-brother of of Jesus, he said the same thing in the book or the letter that he wrote, but he adds a whole other layer of texture to it. He says this. He says, religion that that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this. Wow, this is going to be pretty good. let's, Let's see what it is. To look after the orphans and the widows in their distress, that's the second greatest commandment, right? You care about others the way you care about yourself. And then he says, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's the first greatest commandment, that you keep yourself polluted uh, from being polluted by the world. In other words, you love God above all else. We're to resist the, the world system. We're to hate sin and turn from evil. We're to deny ourselves. We're to obey the world, uh, word. And when you do that, that's loving God, you see. God doesn't want us to be polluted by the world. He wants us to live God-honoring lives as believers. And now, now here's the thing. Nobody's gonna do it perfectly, okay? I don't do it perfectly. I often tell you, I, I, don't, I, I don't always love, you know, The way God wants me to love I I don't always show mercy the way God wants me to show mercy okay I don't always show compassion to people the way God wants me to show compassion Uh, Jesus said do unto others as you would want them to do unto me think that one through Christian I, I don't always do that do you treat other people the way you'd want to be treated Do you do that? And your word, deed, what you post, all those things? Did you do that? I don't always do it. Look, I don't. And I could have my wife come up and give testimony to it, but I'm not going to let her do that. Because okay, we have a short amount of time. We've got to get through some things here. It'll be a long list of things. Um, but there ought to be the desire to want to do what is right to live a God-honored life. And when we're confronted, whether it be by somebody else or through just the Holy Spirit in us, that you know what, I I did something crummy, I said something crummy, I posted something crummy, I did something crummy, oh, may may somehow you just take the right action. Now, Paul does give us a a few specific things as to what a God-honoring life looks like. It's not a comprehensive list, but he gives us a couple of things. Look at verse 2. He said, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And the first thing I just want to point out is this, is that a follower of Jesus must live with all humility, right? Always be humble, always be humble. James said this, God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. I have a lot of people who are in opposition to me. There's a lot of people out there that are watching this online. They're listening to it on the radio. They're going to get a tape. They're going to watch it later, and they're going to send me emails. They're in opposition to what I believe. They're in opposition to what I teach. They're in opposition to anything that has to do with God. I, I know it. And here's the deal. <laughs> I don't care. I, I, I don't. I, I really don't um i I can deal with that but the one person i don't want to be in opposition with is god that's not a good one and as a believer you can be in opposition to god there are times when my pride has gotten away and i know god's convicted me of something and i'm supposed to go apologize or you know confess something and, and i dig in you know and man, I get exhausted, I'm chewing on Tums, I'm taking Tylenol, you know. Literally, it shows up physically. You see, sin can show up physically in your life. Just crummy things happen. For a lot of you, you you, you turn to alcohol and booze. For some, it's porn. For others, it's food. For me, it was... For a lot of years, it was food. It wasn't a good thing. When I was not in the right place with God, I wasn't living a humble life, you know. It just just wasn't good. Jesus himself said this, God blesses those who are humble. Man, don't you want God's blessing in your life? Well, it begins with humility. Now, what exactly is humility? Well, a lot of people think that it has this idea that somehow you have to put yourself down, and that's not what it is. Humility is simply lifting the Lord up. Humility is a a word that has to do with perspective. It's how you see things. It's how you see yourself in relationship to somebody else and how you see yourself in relationship with God. You see, a humble person understands who they are in relationship with God. A humble person sees themselves in relationship to others. Somebody who's who's prideful, they think they're better than you. And they'll let you know how much better they are than you and how much smarter they are than you, and that what they think is the best thing, and what that is, is a very prideful position. They don't understand their position with God. Paul said this in Philippians chapter two. He says, don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. In other words, understand who they are. Now now he's gonna give the great illustration. What does that look like? You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Christ cared deeply about people. You had a need. He goes on and he says this, though he was God, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Here's the deal. You got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You got the Holy Trinity. And there was perfect unity within the Trinity. There was perfect harmony within the Trinity there was perfect love within the Trinity the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit didn't need you there's that great line in Jerry Maguire right you complete me now most guys I hope you guys haven't seen that movie because that's hey hey Christian you didn't complete God it wasn't like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were up there going, Oh man, you know This is kind of a drag. We need countrymen. He'll really light he'll liven things up, he'll make things better. No. God had no needs. But you had a need. And God humbled himself and he came here. And he thought of your need more than he thought of his own. And he treated you with unbelievable honor. That he would come and leave the glories of heaven and come and say, you know what? You have a need. You can't, but I care about you so much as goofed up and as messed up and as sinful as you are and as evil as you are. I'm going to care about you. That's how we're to care about each other, Christian. We're to care like that about each other. I know you have thoughts and opinions and things. I get it. But would you look at the life of Jesus Christ, the very one that you claim to follow, and look at what he did and how he treated you? See, I think we forget that. And so what happens is we just live however we want to live, say whatever it is we want to say, because, man, aren't we pretty special? You know, hey, you know I've got my Ph.D., you know? You, you know how long I've done this job of mine? I, 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 everybody better listen to me. Come on. Number two, a follower of Jesus must live with all gentleness. You see how this is kind of flow together? He says, always be humble and gentle. One of the great fruits of the Spirit, if you will, is is gentleness. Now, I know that there's a bunch of people, especially guys, who think, you know, they see this word gentle and they think immediately, no way, you know. You think gentleness isn't manly or whatever. Well, I want you to know you're wrong. The greatest man that ever lived, Jesus was a gentle man. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. Those are the two first qualities that Paul mentions here. That if you want to live a life worthy of your calling, live humbly. Before the Lord and before each other, before your spouses, before your children, before your parents, and live gently, live a gentle life. And then you get to number three, a follower of Jesus must live with patience. He says always be humble and and gentle, be patient with each other. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient. This is the the, the greatest definition of love ever given. And the first thing it says here is that love, true love, biblical love is patient. It's patient. In the the Greek language, the word patient means long-tempered instead of, you know, people have short tempers. You're long-tempered. Another way of looking at it that might be a better illustration is uh, you have a long fuse before you blow. You know people that have short fuses? Imagine a stick of dynamite, short fuse, bang! Sounds like some of your spouses, right? Sounds like maybe your parents, it sounds like maybe you know your, your, your kid, somebody you work with. They just have a short fuse, bang! As opposed to a long fuse, you know, imagine a stick of dynamite down there and the fuse comes all the way up here. And let me tell you the beauty behind that. Because of our flesh, something can happen to us or we read something or we see something and usually, bam! We just blow! When maybe, we had a long you know, fuse. You had patience. You were, you would able. You, you would have the ability to go, man. You know what? That really upset me. I wish my wife hadn't said that to me, or this, or my kids, or my, my husband, or whatever. And yeah, you know what? Really, it's not that big a deal when you think about it. I mean, we got people being beheaded in our world. We got people starving under the Ninth Street Bridge right right now. There's a lot of crummy things going on in life. You know. I guess. You know what? It's really, not. It's not that big a deal. And so, you know what? So you just kind of go over and cut the fuse, and it's done. You see, having a long fuse, being patient, gives you time to kind of work it through. Uh, My wife and I and my secretary, you can imagine all the emails and things that I get. Uh, I'm always pretty good at writing an email when someone writes me something. But I've learned to be patient. And so, hey, you know, honey, will you look at this? Hey, Mary Star, you know, my administrative assistant, let's take a look at this. See, I don't want to hit send. Once I hit send, then the world gets to see it. All my Christian brothers and sisters see it, especially if it's a post. All the unbelievers get to see this Christian. And so, just everybody, ta- everybody, put their eyeball on that. Ooh, yeah. See, and by the time they even look at it, I I can look at it and go, yeah, sure I'm glad I didn't write that. And the same thing is true in our relationships with our spouses and our kids and us as a church. We we have to be patient. We gotta be humble and care about others, be gentle with them, be patient. Because he's now gonna flow right into number four here, a follower of Jesus must live bearing with one another. He says, making allowances for each other's faults. Now some of you read that and you think, I knew there was an error in the Bible. I don't have any faults. There's no foibles in my life. At least that's how some of you live. You, 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 you're just so quick to see everybody else's junk, right? Right? And it says that we're to make allowances for each others. And certainly that happens within a marriage, with our kids, but it has to happen as us as a church. You've got faults, believe it or not. You've got foibles in your life. You've got a lot of weird, dumb, crazy things you do. And I know it's way easier to see somebody else's dumb thing I know it. I can see your sin, your faults at a hundred paces. Uh, there's Ben. I, know, I tell you, I, I know exactly what's going on in your life, Ben. I'm thinking this. I, I know Ben, man. Got all kinds of junk in his life. Crummy sinner. <laughs> we're all pretty good at that, don't aren't we? It's like we got we're sin radar. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what your sin is. Yeah. Oh! oh! No good, no good. I have having lunch with you, man. You got problems, man. And it, there it is. And what we hate is when we do this. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't do that. I, just, I just soon talk about yours, write about yours, comment about yours. I don't want to talk about mine. In fact, if you talk to me about mine, I'll deny it. A God-honoring life is one where you live humbly before others, before God. You live gently amongst people. You're patient amongst people. And you make allowances for for all of their their stuff. Because I certainly want people to make allowances for my stuff. I have written things. I have preached things. You know, this is live television. This isn't a warm-up this is lies and there have been times when I have gotten through with something and I said it didn't mean to make you say it the way it came out but it, I said it because the people have sent me the tapes or the CDs or the whatever they're Whoo, look what you said and I always respond with man I, I'm just really sorry I didn't mean to say that how often you've been coming to Big Bell I've been coming for years have you ever heard of me make that statement before well, no so it, it's not a pattern then is it well no it was kind of an event i just kind of goofed up right well yeah okay well hopefully you can make an allowance for what, what, what i what i just said I, I didn't mean to say that it's not the way i wrote it in my notes but it's live and i get amped up you know and i'll sometimes say things and i always pray that god would strike from your memories anything that wouldn't, I'm not kidding. That, that isn't biblical, man, I just wanna make sure you get in the, the, the Bible, not, not me. And so I pray, man, God strike from the memories of the people that are here anything that I might say that isn't, that isn't biblical. Serious serious thing that, that, that I do here. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses, Proverbs chapter 10 says. Isn't that true? Maybe that's what Peter was thinking when he penned these words in 1 Peter chapter four. Most important, he said, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins. And that doesn't mean we don't confront sin. We're, We're called to confront sin. We're called to have conversations with each other about sin, but that has the idea that, hey, look, be careful. Before you just jump into somebody's life, into somebody's junk, don't you allow the Holy Spirit maybe to do a work in their life first allow God to work deal with your own life just don't be so quick oh man look at that that was crazy that was, that's the whole idea of maybe having a long fuse kind of thing if you will then, then Paul goes on to say this in verse three and this is the second major theme or point I want to bring out. He says, because of all the things that God has done for you, work hard at keeping unity in in the church. He says, make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. And I, I was thinking about this. If I was Satan, and I'm not, but if I was... And I saw all the great things that this church was doing. You know, man, we're we're in here singing great songs to God and about God. We're hearing God's word proclaimed. We're we're giving our resources for the work of God and all that. And if I wanted to mess it up, I thought this week, what would I do? What would be, uh, you know, maybe the first arrow I'd throw or the first bomb I'd throw into this church? And I thought, well, maybe I'd get rid of the buildings. I'd have the building collapse. Then I thought, nah, because we can meet anywhere. And then I thought, well, I have the electricity go out. You know, and then I thought, well, no, we'd all just get up and, you know, maybe run into each other as we are leaving the place. And I just listed a number of things that I might do to try to mess up this great church, and I couldn't come up with any but, but one. And that was, that was, man, I'll just get everybody all messed up, get disunity in the church. That'll certainly put the kibosh on all the things that, that God is, is doing. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in purpose. Beloved, that's God's ideal for the church. God wants us to, to be like-minded. He wants us to have the same love, being of one spirit and one Purpose. But here's the sad thing: there are too many. Um, most churches in America just—they're just all goofed up. Denominations having fights and stuff, and it's one of the reasons why the church is just so impotent today. There's just such disunity. And every church is gonna have one or two or five individuals that just, for whatever reason, wanna shoot rockets across the bow of its leaders, and there's always that. You're not gonna get away from that. I'm talking about wholesale disunity, man. And It just messes up all the things that God wants to do, and, and here's why there's such disunity in the church in America today. It's because it takes effort. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of self control to say, hey, man, you know what? I, I want to be careful here what I say, what I post, what I, what I do, what pictures I put out. I, I want to be very careful that I, I don't cause disunity. Even if what you're going to say is true, Solomon said there's a proper place and a proper procedure. And a proper time for every matter under the sun. Know when and where the place is when you ought to take up something with somebody. Don't don't take it up on Facebook, don't take it up on your Instagram account. Solomon said, wise is the man who knows when to take up something, where there's a proper time and place and procedure for every matter under the sun. Use some wisdom, Christian. You may have a valid thing that you want to discuss with me. It may be perfectly valid. Come and talk to me. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to see it on a Facebook page. Because all you're doing is is just fanning the flames. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, you're right. That guy's a loser. He doesn't care. He really. And now all of a sudden, you just stirred up a whole lot of stuff. And I just don't believe that's of the Lord. You might disagree with me. You know, here's the deal. God wants there to be unity, not uniformity. Okay, uni- u- uniformity would be, uh, hey, we all have to have King James versions of the Bible. We all have to have you know, new international versions of the Bible. We all have to wear you know, shirts like I got on and shoes like I got on. We all have to wear jeans. We all have to wear coats and ties. We, we all have to, no, that's not, God didn't care about any of that stuff. God doesn't want uniformity. He's a God who created a thousand shades of green. (laughs) Think that through. He's a creative God. There's going to be all kinds of things that will make us different. But he also doesn't want there to be anarchy, where we just all kind of do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it, right? There's a balance. And when you look at verse 4, and I think this is going to set up our communion real well. He says this. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and through all. There's one body. That's talking about the church, the oneness of the body of Christ. There's one spirit, one, there's one Holy Spirit, and it indwells the believer. There's one hope, and that hope is someday the believers are all going to be with Jesus forever in heaven. There's one Lord. There's only one. One Lord. There's one faith. Putting our trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. There's one baptism. This is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It happens at the moment you give your life to Christ there's one God there's not all different kinds of gods there's one God and that's what we as believers hang on to when we say that's what makes us one that's what unifies us not that we all wear the same clothes or read the same exact Bibles or like all the same kinds of music and all that kind of stuff it's this. In fact, let's say this out loud together. Okay, here we go. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. That's what brings unity to our, our church. We don't all have to dress alike. I, I don't care what kind of aftershave you use. I don't care what color, kind of Bible you have or what color Bible you got. These are the weighty things that make us one. I, I may have some methods around here that you go, man, I don't, I don't like that, man. I like communion at the beginning. Make me wait all this time to do communion, you know. I'm sitting here, I had to listen to your sermon, man. You know, I wasn't going to disrespect the Lord and walk out. Ah, okay, you'd have done it different. Hey, what are those things? Those round things with lights in them. I don't get it, I wouldn't do that. I just put... You know, two guys with flashlights up there. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, that'd, that'd work. Okay, that'd work. I don't know. Let's not get all tripped up about those kinds of things. I'm going to ask our hosts and hostesses to come forward. I'm going to ask Scott and Tim to come on up here. And, and here's the deal. Over in the venue, you're going to walk forward during the song. We're going to pass this out uh, during the song. And here, here's what I want you to do as it's being passed out right now and all that kind of stuff. I just want you to hold on. If, not, if one thing brings unity to the church, it's this. The, the, the bread and the cup, right? I mean, to remember Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, his soon coming. And man, come on. When you're, when you're hanging on to this, I just want you to remember him. Just spend some time remembering this guy who loves you deeply. Who's blessed your life with so many things it's, it's it's unbelievable and then together even over in the venue we're going to take it together in 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 unity okay father thanks lord i've enjoyed this weekend i enjoyed last night It was great i enjoyed last hour i enjoyed this hour thank you for the great music that reminds us of you thank you for your word that obviously just reminds us of you Thank you for this moment of communion where we zero in on you in a very specific moment of your life. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness to us. And help us this week to live a life of remembrance because that will lead us into a life that is uh, lived in an honorable way, God-honoring way. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, Lord, bless you guys. Live for, live for Christ, okay?